unprecedented basketball roster turnover and a Charles Dickens-esque football season. What do they have in common? Well, they're all part of our countdown of the top 10 most noteworthy UNC athletic storylines from last academic season. What else made the list? Let's find out. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. It's my anniversary, my 14th anniversary. Maggie, I love you so much, and I love sharing our lives together. Let's keep it rolling, right? <laughs> Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us for your first listen or watch every single day day you everydayers man welcome back glad you're here if you're new with us welcome come on in let me encourage you though to go back and listen to yesterday's or watch yesterday's episode first here's why as we turn the calendar to august today the football team's moving back in fall camp starts up tomorrow wednesday august 2nd and we're all starting to think about the upcoming academic year and football and the fall sports and all of that but before we do, here's what we're doing this week on Locked on Tar Heels. We're taking a look back at what I have deemed as 10 of the most noteworthy or impactful moments in Carolina athletics in the past academic year. Now, notice I didn't say the top 10 moments or the best teams or the, the top 10 championship moments. Some of that is mixed in, absolutely. But these are just my choices for what I believe truly are the most impactful or noteworthy moments of last academic year. Things that made a big difference. They could be good. They could be bad. They could just be a big change in the sport or just another big storyline that had ramifications on things. And what we're doing is spreading this out across the first three days of the first three episodes of this week so that we have enough space to unpack each of these appropriately. So... <laughs> So again, yesterday's show, we did 10 through 7. Go back, check it out. I will link it right up there so you can go see it. Uh, today, we're hitting numbers 6 through 4. And then tomorrow on Wednesday, we'll wrap up the countdown with numbers 3 through 1 and a couple honorable mentions. Now, for those of you that want to know what's going on the rest of the week, you're probably aware that Coach Pat Kilby and I are in the midst of our summer basketball roster preview series. We've already hit the freshmen and the sophomores. And then this week we turn our attention to the juniors. So we'll be starting with Harrison Ingram. And then on Friday, Coach Pat Kilby is actually back with me. Yes, we get him twice this week. We're doing a fun summer basketball pickup draft of who we think would be fun to come play with the Tar Heels, other Tar Heels. And so that'll be great. Make sure you tune in for that. Also, I'd love to hear your countdown in your list, because obviously you're not going to totally agree with me. You're going to have your own things that you thought were the most important or impactful or noteworthy. I'd love to hear it. You can share those with us at LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. You can holler at me on Twitter, Isaac Shade, or the show at LockedOnHeels. I said this yesterday. I want to say it again. Uh, as, as I've been putting this list together and, and reminiscing, it's just been so fun and so neat to think back on the past year, all these moments we've shared together, uh, these moments in my own life, following along, 
both as a fan and someone who covers the Tar Heels and the, the highs, the lows and everywhere in between, right? Like I always say the ecstasy and the agony. And, and that's just part of athletics and part of rooting for these young men and women. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And I suppose that you probably wouldn't either. All that said, let's get right into number six. Um, so again, if you want 10 through seven, go back, check those out yesterday. But number six is men's basketball roster turnover. This is all about, I, I have this on the list specifically because it is about a massive change in college athletics. This is not just something that's happening to the Tar Heels. It's happening all over the nation. And we had the transfer portal window, but I mean, it, it news carries on because graduate transfers can change whenever players can commit whenever they don't have to do that in the transfer portal window. And then with, you know, coaches getting fired like Bob Huggins, there's more. And so it just carries on. And so off season for like, let's say specifically in this case, college basketball is just like NBA free agency, man. It's just going and going and going. There's no end of news. It's hard. I'm sure for you to keep up with, but that's why I'm here is to help do that and stay on top of it all. So all that said, the transfer portal, NIL, and, and currently COVID year of eligibility, which is almost over. RJ's class, the upcoming senior class, is the last one that has that, is one of the, if not the main storyline currently in college athletics. We saw that uh, revealed in a major way, none more so than with the men's basketball roster. So I want to unpack this whole thing, lay out the storyline, because it has been wacky and wild, and it's about time we stop and take stock of it, right? So here's the thing. After a season in which Carolina didn't make the NCAA tournament, they already knew they would be losing Leaky Black and Pete Nance, who had no more eligibility. Like they, they were using their COVID eligibility last year, so even that was gone. But then over the course of the offseason, eight, eight different players have either left, have left the program in some form or fashion, either through transfer or just deciding not to come at all. So I want to give it to you chronologically so that we can remember how all this happened. And we're not just going to talk about the players that went out. We want to talk about the players that came in because that's all part of this whole Apple turnover of what uh, um, roster maintenance is now. Also, for reference, as we talk about this date, these dates, let me give you some context back on it. Carolina ended their season on Thursday, March 9th, losing in the ACC tournament to Virginia. Selection Sunday was that Sunday, March 12th. We know that the Tar Heels didn't make it, although they were very stinking close. And then obviously announced pretty quickly that they weren't going to be participating in the NIT. Again, that was Sunday, March 12th. And here's why I re-emphasize that. Let's talk first about the seven transfers out. Again, in chronological order. On Monday, March 13th, I don't know if you remember that it was literally the next day, but Carolina had their first two transfer out announcements the day the transfer portal opened. Transfer portal opens... Currently, it's looking into being adjusted, but currently the day after Selection Sunday. And on that day, both Tyler Nickel and Justin McCoy announced that they were transferring out. And then later that week, number three, the third transfer out on Friday, March 17th was Dontrez Styles. Wednesday, March 22nd, so a little less than a week later, was Puff Johnson. Number five, that Saturday, March 25th, Will Shaver. And then Monday... 
Two days later was Caleb Love on March 27th. And then much later down the line was DeMarco Dunn on May 11th, just right there at the deadline. That was the last day the transfer portal was open. <laughs> so those are your seven transfers out. I don't know if, uh, you know, if you had gone back to look at the calendar of the timeline of when all that happened, but that's how it was. So those first six were, were all within essentially two weeks of the transfer portal opening and then DeMarco right at the end. And then the eighth was obviously the decommit. That was Simeon Wilcher. He decommitted from the Tar Heels on Tuesday, June 6th. Now, let me also remind you, because you're probably curious. I, I know people feel differently about this. Like, hey, I want to continue to keep up with these young men and, and support them. Other people are like, you're out. I'm done with you. Don't talk to me again, right? I get I get it either way. Uh, but I do want to let you know where, make sure everyone knows where they've all landed. Tyler Nickel is at Virginia Tech. Both Puff Johnson and DeMarco Dunn are at Penn State. I, I think they should probably, that, this is another interesting thing. I'm curious to see how many of these people end up starting this year. And I say that because it sounds like both Puff and DeMarco should be in the starting lineup. Caleb Love at Arizona should be a starter. Will Shaver at UAB down in, Bur that's University of Alabama at Birmingham, which is back where he's from. Dontre Styles is headed up to Georgetown under a new regime there. Ed Cooley moving over from Providence. Justin McCoy, man, he wins the transfer portal. My dude is going to Hawaii for his last year. Crazy stuff. And then Simeon Wilcher, after he decommitted, wound up staying close to home at St. John's to play for the newly, uh, newly back to the high major level Rick Patino. And so really interested to see what the Red Storm do this year. But also, as I said, it is not just the outgoing players. While Carolina lost eight, there have been six that have come in some form or fashion, whether through transfer portal, whether it was incoming freshmen or reclassifying an incoming freshman. Now, obviously, with um, the, the way that's gone, Carolina, as we know, still does have a couple scholarships available. Now, five transfers in. Let me give you this chronologically as well, at least in terms of when they committed to the Tar Heels, not when they entered the transfer portal. First off was Paxton Wojcik committing on, at least verbally committing, this isn't when they signed, on March 27th, coming from Brown, uh, a legacy, as, as I'm sure you've heard, his dad was a coach at North Carolina. And then Jalen Withers committed on April 11th, coming over from Louisville. And about 11 days later, Harrison Ingram came on or committed on April 22nd, coming from Stanford, Cormac Ryan on April 20th. I actually have those backwards. I apologize. Uh, Cormac was two days before Harrison, April 20th there from Notre Dame. And then recently, James Aconquo committed on July 6th. Um, at, uh, and so that's, that's the five transfers in. And then, uh, as you well know, Zayden High is the freshman that's coming in as well as Elliot Cadeau, although he is a reclass from 2024, and he announced that reclassification on Tuesday, May 30th. So literally every month since this thing ended, from March all the way through July, I guess, did anything happen? Yeah, even in June, that was when Simeon Wilcher decommitted. So literally every month, we've had some kind of personnel announcement either going or coming for the Tar Heels. Telling y'all, it's wild, it's crazy, but I'm here for it, and I'll always keep you up to date with it. Now, I, listen, here's the thing. 
this is a wild offseason. I don't for the Tar Heels. I don't think we'll see this level of attrition every year like we did. But at least some form of this is here to stay. Whether you know, like every year now, Carolina, every year of Coach Davis's tenure with the transfer portal being a thing, Coach Davis has brought in transfers. Whether it was um, Brady and Dawson Garcia and Justin McCoy that first year, whether you know it was the fellows last year with with Pete. Um, and man, it's just going to keep being part of college athletics. So you either get used to it or you give up. Right. But I mean, if you go to watch professional sports, it's no different. Like this is what happens. And so we just wrap our heads around it. Although again, I do not expect it to be this big a level for the Tar Heels every season. Um, we'll just have to see what happens. I think some of it's going to depend on bench usage. So we'll watch all of that. Now, that is number six on our countdown, basketball roster turnover. In just a second, we're going to talk about some Charles Dickens in football altogether. Doesn't make any sense? I'll make sense of it for you in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post, and then you just add your job to the and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And then use simple tools like screening questions, which make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skill set and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and ultimately hire. Let's be honest, the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I want to thank you again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch every single day. I want to remind you that there is a new and fun way you can submit listener or viewer questions to the show. You can send us an email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com, with a video just straight from your phone, 15 seconds or less. Give me your name, where you're from, and your question. we got a mailbag episode coming up in a couple weeks. Would love to include it there. Or if it doesn't make it there, you might see it pop up on another show. I love to just use some of our set use some of our listener and viewer questions as just segments because they spur great conversation a lot of times so love what you all send in and submit and would love to be able to use it so keep it rolling number five on our countdown of the most noteworthy to me things in north carolina athletics last academic year it was a tale of two cities for north carolina football it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, literally in that order. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember this because of how things wrapped, but the Tar Heels started off last year nine and one. Nine and one. And at that point still had like the next game was Georgia Tech and then NC State. And then it was like, maybe, you know, at, at, you know, will ACC tournament or excuse me, championship. There was that possibility. And obviously a bowl game was already clinched at that point. It was like, surely you win one more of those. 
to get to 10 wins. Didn't happen. Well, let's talk about, uh, you know, like I've also called it a season of what ifs. Uh, The season of close games that didn't have to be close games because, man, that defense just, it was was tough. Uh, So, because not only was it a tale of two seasons, it was a tale of two sides of the football, right? Like explosive, phenomenal offense, and then the defense trying to keep up. And, and there were moments, and obviously we, we've talked quite a bit about the, the linebacking core being really strong, but man, but th- that was part of what led to this tale of two seasons. That a lot of close games that didn't have to be so. Here, here's what I mean by that. Carolina had six of their nine wins were within one possession, meaning eight points or less. Let me give them to you. They beat App State by two points, Georgia State by seven, Miami by three, Duke by three, Virginia by three, and Wake Forest by two. Six of the nine wins were by seven points or fewer. But then also, three of the four losses were by uh, were one possession games and in fact they were all four points or fewer the only one that was not close was clemson that was a beatdown. but georgia tech carolina lost to them by four nc state we talked about that on yesterday's show carolina lost by three in double overtime and then that painful oregon loss in the bowl game just by one point so of carolina's um 14 games nine of them nine of them were one possession games win or lose. And here's the other thing. While it's one thing to say, oh man, you'd love to have won at least one more of those close games that you didn't. These games didn't have to be close. So many of them were games that Carolina probably could have and maybe should have won at least somewhat more handily. Let Let me just give you several examples of this in the wins. The Tar Heels, who beat App State again by what? Two points, 63 to 61. They held a 20-point lead over the Mountaineers heading into the fourth quarter. Carolina had a 21-3 lead over Georgia State midway through the second quarter. The Tar Heels had a 2-TD lead over Miami with 30 seconds left before halftime. A 10-point lead on Duke to start the fourth quarter, a 10-point lead on Virginia early in the fourth quarter, and a 2-TD lead over Wake Forest with 10 minutes left before halftime. All of those were off of that list of wins we just talked about, right? Like, or I guess not Virginia. Yeah, Virginia as well. So all six of those wins that were close, Carolina should have won them or or at least had a good chance to win them by a wider margin. And heck, even a couple of those losses. I talked about losing to Georgia Tech by four. That's the one you cannot lose. The Yellow Jackets were on what, like their 49th quarterback of the, I legitimately think it was like their fourth string quarterback, if I remember correctly. The Tar Heels, with one minute to go before halftime, held a 17 to nothing lead on Georgia Tech and lost. Yikes. Or that Oregon game, the bowl game, where the Tar Heels lost by one. Carolina, I don't know if you remember this, they were up 10 on the Ducks with seven minutes left in the game. So this was a tale of two football seasons. It was a tale of two (laughs) different sides of the football. And it was a tale of, of games that were closer than they needed to be. So hopefully, hopefully, friends, 
Drake May and the offense can just keep doing what they were doing. And in fact, can maybe even take a step up. Now we'll have to wait and see what things are going to look like under Chip Lindsay's offense. But I, I'm personally, I'm, I'm feeling great about it. The question is again, what's the defense looking like? You got to feel good about at least the linebackers. Cause it's still said gray and power Eccles. It's a little thin behind them, especially with Ra Ra leaving. Uh, but how do the line in the secondary handle things better. And I guess I should say that about the offensive line, right? We're looking to all of those to take what, what happened last season and just take another couple steps forward. You don't want to waste. I've said this a lot and I'll continue to say it. You cannot waste the last year of Drake may the same way as what happened with Sam. How? So, uh, man, it's coming so soon though. I cannot hardly believe it. Speaking of Drake may, he is going to be number four on our list. We've talked about number six, the roster turnover for basketball, number five, the tale of two football seasons. But boy, oh boy, part of the reason it was so good in so many ways was because of the revelation of Drake May. We'll talk about that in just a second. All right, we are on our 10 item countdown list of what I thought were the most 10 noteworthy items in North Carolina athletics last academic year. And number four on my list is the revelation of Drake May. Go back, like right now, it is the first week of August as you're watching or listening to this. Do you remember that at this time last year, Mac Brown had not yet named the starting quarterback for the Tar Heels. We didn't know if it would be Drake or Jacoby Criswell. Now, I, myself and I would imagine a lot of you were making guesses and speculations. I all along thought it would be Drake, but it was not official. But here we are now. And it's like, Oh, unless something goes horribly awry this year, this is the best quarterback in North Carolina history. Drake may is in all the preseason Heisman conversations. And I've looked at a lot of big boards for the 24 NFL draft. And I mean, a lot legitimately, I'm not just speaking hyperbole here. I have not seen him lower than third overall on any one of those draft boards. Drake May and the revelation that he was last year is, whoo, whoo, boy. Um, it became very quickly apparent what a dynamo, what a game changer, what a dude he would be. And why should we have thought any different? Knowing his family, what we had seen with his dad at quarterback, what we had seen from Luke on the basketball court, heck, what we had seen from his brother Cole playing baseball at, uh, at Florida and winning a national championship. And honestly, I go back and I'm like, legitimately, why hadn't Coach Brown named him the quarterback yet? Uh, you know, is it just kind of sandbagging a little bit for opponents? Is it like legitimately he hadn't made a decision? May, like, I, I know he talked about that. Like, it was so close between Drake and Jacoby, and maybe that's true. Um, I mean, I I struggle to see how Jacoby would have done as well as Drake did last year, but maybe so, you know? Like, it's just, it's so wild to think back now and be like, you just, you just don't know what's going to happen. But boy, has it turned out very, very well for the Tar Heels. So, um, and speaking of Jacoby, Chris, we'll hope things go really well for him this year. So let me, let me just give you some of those numbers and stats on Drake May uh, from last season. Because it's like, obviously, the eyeball test tells you what a phenomenal quarterback he was. But the no, it's nice when the numbers and the data back it up. And I'm actually not even going to start with the passing. I want to first remind you, 
that he was North Carolina's leading rusher last year. Now, I, I think that's the thing that all of us would not like to be the case year in and year out, but it's just part of what a gamer he is, part of his skill set and what he's able to do. Now, uh, thankfully, throughout the course of the year, he learned more how to get down. I still, that play where he went supermaning through the air, I can't even remember what game it was now, but I about... <laughs> I well, I came unglued on that one. I was like, buddy, what? Are, you can't. No, you cannot do this. Uh, but anyway, I, I know the coaching staff was all over him. But legitimately, though, it's Drake May. We got to talk about the passing. 4,321 passing yards is a UNC single season record. In fact, he is the first Tar Heel ever to hit even 4,000, and he eclipsed that by 321 yards. The second most in Carolina history. You want to you guess? I'll pause for a second, or you can pause the show, and I'm going to give it to you in three, two, one. Not Sam Howe. Mitch Trubisky back in 2016 threw for 3,748 yards. So Drake passed that by around 600, just shy of 600 yards. My, oh, my. Now, I know there's an extra game in there with getting to play the ACC championship and all that, but still. Still would have beaten it, right? And so crazy stuff to think about. Cannot wait to see what the encore is. In fact, if Drake just did that same thing this year, like threw for 4,321 yards again, which there's no guarantees he will. Uh, but, but if he did, if he just duplicated that this year, he would be fourth in career passing yards in North Carolina history in just two years. That's absolutely bonkers. Had a TD to interception ratio last year, 38 touchdowns, just seven interceptions. And I'll, I'll just remind you, four of those interceptions came in those final four, in, in those four losses, which is pretty telling. That means that Drake in the first 10 games of the year threw just three interceptions. Again, a red shirt freshman this dude was. Just, I, I just can't stop. You know what I mean? It's so good. He tied the single season record with um, Hal in 2019 in terms of touchdowns thrown in a single season, 38. The next most on that list is 30. Crazy stuff. So I, I legitimately wouldn't be shocked to see him hit 40 this year. Drake had three games with five passing TDs, had five games in which he was responsible for five TDs, meaning in whatever fashion, whether it be run, throw, or pass. Throw and pass are the same thing, sorry. Run, throw, or receive. Uh, and then through 342 total completions last year, which was also a Carolina record. That same season, Mitch Trubisky in 2016 threw 304 completions. So, man, the revelation that was Drake May comes in on our list at number four. And here, here's what I want to get us out on today. Folks, all of us better, better really, really enjoy this year with Drake May, because this is going to be it. I mean, unless he has some kind of season-ending injury, and in which case I still wouldn't be surprised to see him go on. Like, th this is it. Enjoy it. Enjoy camp. Enjoy the, the good moments. Everything. Enjoy the ashucksness that he is. Just you, you just don't get this very often. And uh, who, who knows who will be the quarterback in the 24 season. But enjoy 23 while you still got Drake May. Hey, let's get a Heisman. Let's get this dude to the top of the draft and just keep him coming to North Carolina because that's what happens. 
All right, folks, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for joining us for this countdown. Can't believe there's only one more show left. I'm having a blast with all this reminiscing. I really hope you are too. Once again, go back and check out 10 through 7. And then on tomorrow's show, I'll be unpacking numbers three all the way down to my number one item. You should guess what it is. That'd be fun. And as I said, I got a couple honorable mentions for you. If you want to share your list with me, you can do so. Locked on Tar Heels at gmail.com. DM me at my personal Twitter account, Isaac Shade, or on the show's one at Locked on Heels. I'm also on threads, also at Isaac Shade. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, and leave comments to let us know your thoughts. Always, it's a great day to be at Tar Heel. We'll finish off our list tomorrow. I can't wait to do it. We'll be back then. But until tomorrow, peace.